Welcome to the Strength and Dignity Podcast, where we discuss Christian lifestyle, scripture, biblical concepts, and hear testimonies from various guests. I'm your host, Kelsey Pryor, and I hope you find encouragement, solid teaching, and thought-provoking concepts here. We're entering into a new series called Christian Lifestyle. This is a series where we discuss practical tips, biblical commands, and various teachings throughout scripture that can be applicable to anybody. Before we dive in, make sure you subscribe so you never miss a future podcast. All right, let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Dignity podcast. Today I am here by myself. This is not going to be an interview. I am finishing up my interview series on all of my co-authors on the Strength and Dignity Bible study. So if you want to hear from any of the authors of that book, then you can go back a couple of episodes. But as a little transition into our next series, um, I was going to do a Q&A today, but then I got one question that I felt like would take up an entire episode. So I'm just going to do that instead. Dead, and that is how you know what your calling is or how you find your calling. And I have a lot to say about this topic and a lot of scripture I've been studying around this topic that I can't wait to share with you guys. But first of all, I just wanted to address if you are watching this podcast on video, this is a lot more casual, okay? I have the hat on for the greasy hair. I have, I'm in my bed, <laughs> and that's because my room has sewing projects all over it. And um, so bear with me if you're watching it in video. But if you are just a listener today and you can't see any of that, then awesome. <laughs> okay, so. I wanted to dive into this topic and first of all, just kind of address how um, in the church, the word calling is um, a super common word. And I think it's actually a little bit overused because I think it means a lot. It has about three, three different meanings, in my opinion. Maybe there's more, but there's three that I'm going to talk about today. And um, I think it can get really confusing when we are talking about callings or we're um, waiting for callings or looking for callings and... Um, we're not really exactly sure which one of these three things we're actually talking about. So um, are there multiple callings on your life? Are they permanent? Are they short? Are they long? Like what, what does that kind of entail? What does the word calling really mean? What does it imply? Where is it talked about in the Bible? And what are some examples that I can look to in scripture? And so that's what we're going to dive into today. Um, I do want to say, though, that obviously the biggest key when it comes to serving the Lord through whatever calling or assignment um, the Lord has for you is a willing heart um, asking for him to use you, I think is actually it goes a long way. And also just being willing for him to interrupt or change your plans. So this can be really scary for a lot of people. We like to have control over our days and over our lives. Um, but this is actually key to being um, open to the molding and the direction of the Holy Spirit is actually just just being willing. So first of all, I'd ask before we go into all of this, um, are you willing? Are you asking God to use you? And are you looking to scripture to see where he might be prompting your heart? So that's my kind of disclaimer slash prelude um, to this episode, and I'm excited to jump in. So I have three kind of definitions that I put together based off of lots of examples that I found throughout scripture, and the first one I titled assignment. So um, instead of maybe the word calling, assignment is a better example of something that um, is most likely temporary. It's kind of like a task or a job that can be completed. It has like a deadline. You can see when it's going to stop. This could be something like a mission trip or a place you're supposed to move for a year or um, 
like when you're in school viewing um, a public or private school setting as an assignment that you are um, on mission to share the gospel with people at your school, you know that eventually you're going to graduate. You're going to you're going to move on. Um, or if you feel called to go to a different country, I see I use the word called, um, you feel called to a different country, but really you might only be there for a couple months um, or maybe even just a couple years. Like assignments can still be a few years, but the point is it's not lifelong um, and it can be completed and you will have multiple, hopefully multiple assignments throughout your life. And our family has experienced this a ton. Um, and some things about assignments is sometimes it's very clear what your assignment is um, and why that's your assignment. And sometimes it's not clear. Sometimes it's not clear that you're in the midst of an assignment right then. And you kind of look backward and you say, oh my gosh, God was really using me then. And sometimes you don't know, uh, you might know that you're supposed to be there, but you don't know why. Um, and later you look back and you're like, that's why we were doing that. And that's happened, um, in my family a lot. And, it's just interesting to see how God uses different people. So the biblical example I have for this is Nehemiah. I'm going to go ahead and flip there. Yes, I use my paper Bible. I can't stand phone Bibles for some reason. I just don't like scrolling. I like flipping. So I'm going to turn to uh, Nehemiah 1. If you have your Bible with you, then um, go ahead and turn there. Nehemiah, Esther, Job, uh, Psalms. So it's right before Psalms if you're looking for it. Okay. So Nehemiah is a story about, um, it's during the, Nehemiah is in exile. So he's not in Israel. He's not in Jerusalem. And he gets word that um, Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem have fallen. And so this is verse three. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire verse four says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So, um, the entire book of Nehemiah is how he rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem. And at the end he completes his task. And so it took years and years and years for this to happen. But, um, it started with him hearing about something that just tugged at his heart. He wept and mourned and fasted for days and days and days and begged God to let him do something about it. Um, and then at the end, he got to see that job completed. So this is something that I would put in the assignment category because it's a task that can be, that was completed in his lifetime. Um, and the way, like I said, you might not know that you're currently in an assignment, but Nehemiah did. So he actually asked for the assignment and it started with him hearing about something that just tore at his heart. And so I think a lot of the time um, we hear about things that really, really tug at our, it's not just like, oh no, that's so sad. Um, like we, we might hear about news or things going on in the world that make us empathetic or like, or sympathetic, I would say. Um, like, oh man, I just can't believe that's happening. That's so, that's so sad. But we don't feel this like gut wrenching, like mourning and fasting for days. It's all we can think about, um, about that topic, unless it's something, um, if you're really aligned with the spirit, then 
God's going to, I'm going to talk about this in a second too. He gives you the desires of your heart. And so that verse is in Psalm 37. I want to talk about, um, and I, while I'm flipping there, I was going to tell you guys about how this kind of has looked in my life. Um, my dad, I'm still, I'm unmarried. I live at home. And, um, when I was 14, well, my, this could be a really long story. I'm going to try to shorten it. When I was 14, um, my dad felt like we were supposed to, um, go to Israel for kind of longer term than we ever had been before. And, um, through scripture, through prayer, through other people, um, it became very evident that this is exactly where God wanted us. And it wasn't very evident why. And, um, we were traveling back and forth between Israel and our home in the States for two years until at the very end is when we looked back at the last two years, God said this, your assignment is over. And as soon as it was over, we were able to look back and see all the work that he had done, um, by us being obedient, a little bit blindly. Some of it was like, I can kind of see where this could go, but a lot of it was blindly. Like, I'm not really sure why we're here. I'm not really sure what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and at the end it was made clear and, but it wasn't like out of the blue, like we, my parents met in Israel. We had visited a couple times before. And so, um, it was really, it was, I don't know if you want to say cause, but it was something that really our whole family felt, um, just a, a longing and a desire for um, God's story that he was telling through the Jewish people and through the state of Israel. And so it wasn't really out of the blue. It was like he had been preparing our hearts to take on this assignment. And so in this particular example, we knew it was an assignment. We didn't really know why. And it was later made more clear. But I hope that helps um, um, that it in my experience and in this example, um, the person who was given the assignment had um, a tug for the cause, a, a, a desire to help whatever that cause was for the assignment. Um, and that, that could be different for other people. Maybe God all of a sudden, you know, he, he tells you, I want you to move to this country you've never heard of. <laughs> and so I think that that's very um, between you and the Lord. But these are just the examples I'm using today. Um, okay, so I wanted to read Psalm 37, four and give a, shed a little bit of a different light on this. And I will, I will say a lot of this stuff um, is not, it's things that I've pieced together, but I didn't come up with most of the, um, most of this wording, this scripture, the, these like revelations that I've recently had are not just out of my head or, um, they're either very spirit led or have been taught to me by other people. So I just wanted to uh, disclaim that because this particular thing blew my mind when I heard it. Um, Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I think a lot of times when we read this verse, we think of God like a genie. Um, I have a desire for this, so God's going to give it to me. But here's one way to read it. He will give to you the desires of your heart. In other words, he is giving you the desires that you have. He's not looking at the desires of your heart and saying, oh, I'm going to grant this like a genie. Um, he's like, I'm going to plant this desire in your heart because I want you to 
um, have this assignment on your life, have this calling, have this longing, have this, and I'm going to grant it to you. In this particular example, my whole family has such a heart for the state of Israel and the Jewish people. And so this is something that I believe that God planted in our hearts. We're, just, we're not just going about our merry way and are like, you know what? I really want to, you know, serve the Jews to move to Israel. We're, that It didn't happen that way. First, God planted the desire. And then he said, okay, I'm going to be because I've given you this desire and you are longing for it, here's the assignment that I have planned for you. I hope that makes sense. Um, and so, okay, so that's ass- the assignment. That's number one. The first way that we use the word calling is when we're talking about something like an assignment. Okay, so the second one, I have two biblical examples of this. Um, and I am gonna use the word calling. Honestly, I can't think of a different word, <laughs> but the definition for this one is it's much longer Sometimes, sometimes temporary, but most of the time permanent and a lot of times like uh, lifelong or it's just a very identifying marker in your life. And so um, the examples I'm going to use for this one is Esther, the first one. So I'm going to turn to Esther. Um, Esther 4.14. And this is a very popular verse. Um, I think a lot of people use this verse when they're talking about um, what their calling might be. Um, Esther 4.14. So if you're not familiar with the story of Esther, Esther is also in exile. And um, so she's a Jew living among non-Jews or Gentiles. And the king of the land is looking for a new wife. And so he gets... um, together all these women and to prepare them <laughs> before him and to almost like audition <laughs> to be his wife or one of his many um, women in his household. And so Esther is living with her cousin Mordecai. And um, I always want to say uncle. I get confused if it's uncle or cousin. I think it's cousin Mordecai. And he um, instructs Esther, don't tell anyone that you're a Jew. And uh, spoiler alert, um, she ended up saving all of the Jews in her region. Um, There was going to be a plan for the king to wipe out all the Jews, but the king had already kind of, I don't know if he fell in love with her, but she had great favor with the king. And she said, at the end, she says, I'm a Jew, you, I don't want you to kill my people. And um, so he doesn't. So he ends up save. she ends up saving all the Jews in her region Um, and right when she is like in this crux of this position where she's heard of this plan to destroy her people and she's trying to figure out what do I do about this? She goes to Mordecai and, um, okay. So we're starting in verse 12 of chapter four. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them they're communicating through servants. So Mordecai tells the servants to tell Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than the other Jews. So he's saying like, if they decide to wipe out all the Jews, that includes you, you need to be worried. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But if you and your father's house will perish, and who, but, but you and your father's house will perish, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So he's basically saying like, okay, God's going to save the Jews. He doesn't say the word God. The word God is actually never used in Esther, but he's like, there, there's going to be, someone's going to save the Jews, whether it's you or not. But 
What if this is why you are in this kingdom? What if this is why you have favor with the king? What if this is why? And so, you know, Esther doesn't go about her life like going into exile and being like dragged into the palace by the king out of any desire of her heart. It's just kind of happening. And then all of a sudden she's in the perfect position to be used by the Lord to save millions of people. And so, um, this is, I would say, a lifelong calling over Esther's life in the sense that it took like all the way from when she was taken into exile all the way to this moment um, for her to realize this is like the identifying marker in my life is going to be um, like the way that God is using my life primarily um, is in this way to, to save all the Jews. And we don't know anything about Esther after all of this happens. Maybe she had, you know, another huge calling on her life, but we're not told about that. So that's why I said sometimes it could be temporary, sometimes not. But I would say this is like a calling. And she didn't really know that she was in it until she had to make that like really important and crucial decision. And so that's why I prefaced this podcast with saying it's important that you are in a position and in a that you're basically kneeling before God. I, I will do your will. Please let me know what, what you want me to do. And so this is the first example. Um, we have Esther. And then the second example is Samuel the prophet. So I'm going to turn to First Samuel. Again, that's in the Old Testament still um, before Esther. Okay, so First Samuel 3 is when the Lord calls Samuel. But um, before that, we learn about his mother who was barren. And um, she said, if you give me a son, I'm going to dedicate him to you. And so I think that a lot of the reason that Samuel was a prophet or had this anointing on his life was because of the prayers and dedication of his mother. Um, But we know that lots of prophets have similar, not similar in this circumstance. um, Lots of prophets were like specifically called by God. Most all of them, I would say. Um, I haven't done a specific study on every single prophet, but I'm just going to read you Samuel's story. Um, So it's kind of long. It's the whole chapter is kind of telling how he specifically got called by God. He's serving in the temple with the priest Eli and um, Eli cannot, his sons are just wicked and um, he's kind of mentoring Samuel in the, in the temple. And so the whole thing happens where it's, it's nighttime and Samuel's trying to go to bed and he hears someone call his name. So he goes out to Eli and he says, yes. And Eli's like, I didn't call you. So he goes back to bed and it happens three times. Um, so starting in verse 15, it says Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli, but Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So obviously God picked Samuel out um, to be to be his, to be dedicated to him, to be um, the prophet that he ends up being. Um, and this was, I think it's interesting how God used his mentor to kind of call that out of him, like God is calling you. And so I think a, a lot of the time, a lot of examples that I've seen, not with me personally, but a lot of examples that I've seen, someone actually identify something in someone else and says, do you know that you kind of have this anointing on your life um, and that God's gonna use you in this way? Obviously, those types of things need to be prayerfully considered, checked against scripture. You shouldn't just take anything anyone says 
um, about the Lord like that for granted. But especially if it happens multiple times or you pray about it and you feel um, the same like prompting, then that's one way that God can call you. So um, I'm not exactly sure actually how common this is if everybody has this type of calling. Um, I'm not going to be the most knowledgeable person on that. But those are the two examples in scripture I saw of people given um, specifically called by God to do a specific thing throughout their life. Um, and so I'm, this one's kind of titled uh, it's an, as an identifying marker in your life. Okay, and then the third one that I wanted to talk about is a little bit more ambiguous. Um, well, I guess the last one was ambiguous too. They're all kind of ambiguous. Um, so this one is multi-generational and there are lots of examples of this. And um, this is often towards a people group. Um, so first of all, in Genesis 1, 28, when God says, um, all right, here, I've planted you here in the garden. I want you to be fruitful and multiply to rule over the earth and subdue it. So that's kind of a calling or a blessing that he gave to all of mankind. Yeah, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to rule over the earth and subdue it. So that's the first place that we kind of see God give a blessing slash command um, in the form of like a a calling. And obviously um, it got tainted by the fall in Genesis three, but um, it was never revoked. It was never like, okay, now I don't want you to be fruitful or multiply or rule the earth. Um, It got a lot harder after the fall, but it was never revoked. And so I think that's something that all of mankind, um, us as believers need to consider as well. And then we're going to go into Abraham. So this one, we're gonna be hopping all over Genesis. Um, This is actually a topic I'm very passionate about, ties into what I was saying about um, my prompting and calling towards the Jewish people. It's always been the assignments um, in that calling have been different and I'm still young enough that that's going to be I'm going to be figuring out th- that out the rest of my life. But one of the most interesting things to me is studying Abrahamic covenant. Um, so the first place we're going to go is Genesis 12. And we don't know anything about Abraham or Abram in this instance before he gets called. So um, later on in places like the New Testament or later in Genesis, we hear that Abraham was a man of faith and it was counted to him as righteousness. But we really don't know a ton more besides Abraham's faith that God, why God decided to call him like this. It was a little bit out of the blue. So it says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So I, I, again, I could talk for hours about this. I'm probably going to do a whole series on just this, but um, here's the first place that God calls Abram. So we're going to turn again to Genesis 15 um, verses five and six. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So God just kind of makes a promise and says, hey, um, you're going to have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. And Abraham believes him. Um, And it was counted to him as righteousness. So God's just kind of making all these promises to Abraham. um, And Abraham is having faith that God will fulfill them. 
Okay, the next instance is going to be uh, Genesis 17, four through eight. Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. So he's repeating this over and over again, how many descendants he's gonna have. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. So later on in the new Testament, it says that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. And so all these instances where God is making promises to Abraham and his descendants, for those of you who don't know, the descendants of Abraham are the Jewish people, um, the state of Israel. And it is just fascinating to me to go through how many promises God made directly to Abraham and then later on made to, um, all of Israel. So last one, Genesis 22, um, if you know this story, this is where Abraham almost sacrifices his son, Isaac. This is um, kind of a test of faith for Abraham. And he almost goes through with it, but God stops him and says, um, I, I, I will provide the sacrifice and gives them a ram to sacrifice instead of Isaac, which is obviously a prophetic foretelling of, um, Jesus, of God providing Jesus. That's another story. <laughs> um, but in the midst of that story, at the end, um, the angel of the Lord comes down and talks to talks to Abraham and he says, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that's on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so in this instance, um, the previous instance with all of mankind, it's just a blessing that God decides to give to all people and a command, um, something that we're all supposed to do. Um, but then with Abraham, it's not conditional, but it is because of Abraham's obedience and his faith. And so if you're wondering, if, you, if you're desiring a great calling from God, um, I'm not going to tell you that you're for sure going to get it, but I can tell you that in this instance, the thing that made Abraham the person God cut this covenant with was he was obedient and he was faithful. And um, I have a friend who's very prophetically gifted and he travels everywhere and he like performs signs and miracles and it's kind of crazy, but he came and talked to a group of us one time and um, he's obviously a very gifted person and um, knows how to like, is very in tune with the Holy spirit and um, everyone else in the room was not that way. And so they were asking lots of questions about, about this and, um, uh, my friend said, you know, when I'm out, you know, ministering to people, sharing the gospel, evangelizing, I would rather have an obedient person next to me than a quote unquote gifted person. Um, someone who has never performed a miracle in their life, but is wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. And that really stuck out to me because it really shows how powerful obedience alone can be. So, um, 
that's my second example. And then my third example is just to kind of bring it home to how us as believers are supposed to act. Um, even in the moments when we're unsure of our calling or assignment, we have Matthew 28. So let's turn there. New Testament, Gospel of Matthew. It's the last chapter of Matthew. I'm saying this like I'm assuming you're turning with me, but <laughs> maybe you're driving or something. I don't know. Okay. So at the end of Matthew 28, this is after Jesus is um, risen from the dead and he gives this commission to his disciples uh, before he goes back up into heaven. So he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this just closing statement, this is a command that applies to all believers. And so something that I firmly believe is when we're in those moments when we don't know if our life has a specific calling, if we're in the middle of it right then, or if we just haven't been called like someone like Esther or Samuel, who has a very, very clear and distinct thing on their life that God has is using them for, um, or an assignment like Nehemiah to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Um, we're all supposed to be going out and making disciples. And so this looks different in different um, scenarios, but Jesus kind of clearly lays out teaching them to obey. Again, there's the importance of obedience, all that I have commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you, you do not have to be the head pastor of a church in order to disciple people. All you have to do is have your foundation in scripture and believe that you are commanded to do this and that it is the greatest calling on your life is to spread the gospel and the love of Jesus, the commands of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the example of Jesus. All of this is super important for us to live out as believers. So I want to leave you with that today. I hope it's helpful and encouraging. Um, thanks so much for sticking around. I know this is kind of long and hopping all over the place in, in the Bible, but um, I hope this is encouraging. Make sure you take notes, write down all those pieces of scripture and go back and read them all in context. I encourage you. That's Nehemiah chapter one, Esther chapter four, Samuel chapter three, uh, Genesis chapter one, Abraham basically from Genesis 12 to Genesis 22 is what I read and um, Matthew 28 would all be great scriptures for you to go back and study in context because I don't want to just be cherry picking verses here so have a great day thanks so much for listening Thanks for listening to this episode of Strength and Dignity. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave us a rating and review. That would help us out a lot with the algorithm so we can reach more people looking for encouragement in their faith journey. Hope you tune in next time.